coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc. And we're going to talk to you about the UFC that did happen um, this week. So first, before that, happy Father's Day. Oh, happy Father's Day. Good Father's Day, Sunday. How was your day? And it couldn't have been. It could have been better, but like my daughter sent me a beautiful. She couldn't make it, um, but she sent me a beautiful note that that made up for it. Then my other daughter, Bridgie, came over, and that was fantastic. And I got a nice note from Jelly Bean, and then uh, talked to my son. So it was great. And then yeah, my and your stepson. And my stepson was there. Well, two of them were there. One of them was actually sleeping, because he just got a new job. Blake got a new job at seventeen. And he did like uh, he did an evening shift. Then he he had to back to back and do a day shift. So he got like five hours sleep. So he was asleep. He's used to staying up all night playing video games. Yeah, this is a new world for him. Yeah, but check it out. He he actually ended up he ended up he bring, he brought me a, a pint of vanilla ice cream. So nice. He's a good kid. So we had, I had a great one. What about oh wait the rap? Are you gonna play the rap for us? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is not for public. Yeah, my four kids made a rap video for me for a Father's Day. So I'll show it to you later. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not for public consumption. I think we should not in this it. day and age. Anyway. Uh oh. Anyway, okay. So with that said. So anyway, a good Sunday, but Saturday there was a UFC. We should talk about. There were some good fights and yeah. some uh, some good things to talk about in the fights. Yeah. Let's go from the let's go from the bottom up. Let's go for that la- the first fight. The first fight on the prelims. Yeah. That's just... the one I wanted to get your take on. I know you're gonna have a take, but let's let me get these guys' names right. But this was the very first fight of the night. It was yeah. Austin Hubbard and Max Roscoff. Um, so, what'd you think of this fight? Well, first of all, to give you guys a little backstory, uh, Austin has a little more experience. I think he's more well-rounded, and Max is more known as I think he's more like a high-level grappler, jiu-jitsu guy. He took the fight on late notice, I think, too. Right. Yeah. Ten, yeah. ten days. To me, that's not really late notice, but okay. But so he came out the first round. I think he even won the first round. He was trying for crazy submissions, like he was like diving into rolling leg locks and you know knee bars and shit. And he had Robert Drysdale in his corner, you know, who's a you know a jujitsu guy. So it looked like if he catch if he caught him if he caught Austin, it was going to be. A submission. And his striking wasn't bad either. I think he won the first round. But then he came out the second round and he didn't quite have the steam. And then like a quarter of the way through the second round, he started getting he started getting hit. A, a lot more than he was hitting. It was a uh, it was not a it was not a it wasn't close. It wasn't competitive round. anymore. But he also I think he was trying to take get takedowns and got stuffed. Which maybe tired him out too. Well, I mean, there's nothing worse than doing a desperation takedown and just not even setting it up. Um, we'll talk about 
the proper way to do that when we talk about the main event and Curtis Blades. But but Max was desperate. And I mean, fatigue makes cowards of every, all of us. And once you're that tired and that fatigued, nothing works and it's just you just you can have the nicest car in the world, the fastest the fastest uh Lamborghini or the fastest Ferrari in the world. Once you're out of gas, that car is just going to stop. It's just going to sit there on the side of the road. And that's pretty much what Max did from the sec the entire second half of the second round. He just sat on the side of the road getting a beating. Is that one minute you get enough to get your breath back to go out to round three? Because he basically said the entire... They went back and showed it. The entire minute he was on the stool, he was saying... I don't know what he was saying. Call it? Was he saying yeah, call it? Yeah, end it or call it. End it or call it. Basically, get me out of here. Well, and not in an unclear manner at all. Like, not like my teeth are falling out. Yeah. This was much more, end the fight, please. I'm done. I'm done fighting. Please stop the fight. He said it to his coach, no joking, 20 times? Probably 20 times. So he said, please stop the fight. And his coach said, no, you're in this, man. You got this. You're going to be a champion. You and got this. And let me, let me, so I need to hear what you would have done in this okay, situation. Okay, let me clarify. <laughs> Anthony Johnson had veneers. Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith, sorry. Anthony Smith had veneers, and, and they come out routinely <laughs> in training. And it's kind of a, a thing that his coach and his team always knows. They always come out. So when he was saying, my teeth are coming out, he did not. He was not looking for a way out. Without a doubt, he wasn't. But, but people thought he was. Right. Like and, people yeah. thought he was being. Like that's what a fighter will say. Right. They and won't say. They won't say, "Hey, I'm quitting." They'll say something like, right. "Oh, I'm tired," or whatever. That's why I'm clarifying that. With Anthony Smith, he was like making a joke. Hey, my teeth are coming out. And he was like picking them out he, and he giving wasn't it to the making rep. a joke. But okay. I, I think it was. <laughs> he I don't see. I don't All right, have him back on. We're asking, but anyway. But, he he was not looking for a way out. I don't think so either. But this guy was. He was not. He wasn't like beating around the bush. He was saying, "I want out." Have um, you seen anything more clear than that yeah. before? Yeah, I've had it happen to me. Where the fighter just says, "I'm I've had done." It happened to me. I've had it happen to me. And with my guy, okay, he hurt his ankle. And he said, "I can't go back because I hurt my ankle." I said, "Yeah, you are. You're going back out." And he goes, no, my, my, my ankle hurts. And I said, you're going back out. So I, so I actually picked him up out of the, off the stool and started to push him out. He said, you're going back on. And he goes, no. And I guess Herb Dean caught a wind of it. And he came back and, and he goes, John, you can't make him fight. I was like, he's got to fight. And the reason I did it was because this was his first chance to get to the UFC. And I didn't want him to go out quitting on the stool. I did not want that. I wanted to go out slugging. At least Dane will give you, you know, more of a chance to come back and fight. Plus, you're going to remember that. You know, I remember so many things in my career, but I, I think if I had a quitting in the corner, like a verbal tap out in the corner, I don't think I would ever get over that. That would always weigh heavy on my mind. That's why if a fighter says like, hey, I can't see out of my right eye, boom, I'm going to stop the fight. That's all I need to hear. Um, or if he gives me another sign he wants to quit, he's too too much pride to 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 say I want to quit. I'm gonna I'm gonna save him that and let him and and stop the fight. 
But if he's saying, oh, I can't go, I'm tired, or, oh, I got to stop now, I would, I would not let him quit on that because I think he'll thank me someday if, if I made him go out there and then turn around and won. I've had guys not want to go back out and are exhausted and then knock the guy out in the next round. Or in this situation, though. But with this situation. He's saying, I don't want to go out 20 times in a row, end the fight, call it, whatever he was saying. And his trainer or coach is saying, no, man, you got this. He's trying to pep talk him through the minute, give him a rest, which I thought was fine, personally. But what if you what if you do push him back out there and he just gets clobbered? I mean, you know, how do you live that down as the coach? That's going to look terrible. There's two things. Number one. First of all, I would have I would have stopped it only because, not because of fatigue, which I wouldn't have stopped it for. I would have you know just had him breathe, 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 and try to get his get his energy back. You know, build up his oxygen, lower his CO two, gets rid of some of the acidosis. The reason I would have stopped that one was because watching the second round again, he got hit clear, clean shots, too many head, too many head shots. He had, he had taken too many headshots, so I would have stopped it because of that. Not because of the fatigue, but I think people are miss, you know, I, I don't think most people are just saying because he said stop it. I don't think that is in and of itself a reason to stop it because you're doing your fight fighter safe. You see, yeah, he might get his ass whooped and then the referee stops it. Or he might go out swinging and end up catch the guy and knock him out then he's going to thank the shit out of you because you'd rather be remembered or remember when you're my age that you either had the referee stop a fight, knock the guy out, okay? You, either, you'd rather have either one of those two than always know that you quit in the corner. You don't want that on your, on, in, your, and, in your memory And base. I don't think he didn't want to fight because he was getting hit in the head. No. I think he didn't want to fight because he was out of gas. That's right. got to be the worst feeling in the world. It is. On top of you're out of gas, right. you're getting lit up. Right. So, and, and with that said, that's why I'm saying, if, if he didn't get hit so much in the head, and if it was just fatigue, okay, then I, I would have probably told him to go back out. He was probably complaining just mainly about the fatigue, but I would, as a trainer, I would, I would say, my guy just get hit with like 20 fucking solid shots Yeah, to but the head. if he wasn't wanting to stop, you wouldn't have stopped that fight. Because he was still looked okay. He was with it enough to know he wanted, didn't want to fight anymore. Right. Right. So I think if he had been hit that much and wanted to fight, you would have let him. Right. So, right. But, so if he got hit that much and didn't want to fight because of cardio, Bec push him back out there. No, because he was getting hit too much in the head already. Now you add that to the next round, and it's getting hit even more. That's yeah. The accumulation that he already took in that second round, if he was if he was he wanted to go on, he, now he won the first, lost the second. I'm going to give him a fighting chance. But if he's going to say, but if he has, looks like he doesn't have any chance. Plus, he's been hit so much. I'm not going to let him go out. If he didn't get hit much, but he was just exha exhausted, I would have pushed him back out. And that's why people listen to our podcast, John. Yeah. Because, so because I think I'm... that was fascinating, though. And I also think that the coach, you know, what if your fighter's losing and wants to go out, you stop it, right? He's losing and he still wants to go out, you might stop it because he's getting hurt. If he's getting hurt. Or if he wants to go out, or he, I mean, if he wants to quit and you don't think he should, you push him out. I, I mean, you're making the decision. You haven't been hit in the head for the last five minutes. 
So you're helping him make that decision one way or the other. Whether it should be stopped or he should fight even if he doesn't want to. Yeah, because you're the coach and it should be on you. Right. Just like to stop it. It just would look so horrible when you have someone that wants to quit and you send him back out. And right, but if he went out if he went out and punching, okay. To he's no gonna, win. He's going to, no, but he'll win, he'll live the rest of his life, life knowing he got stopped in a fight. He won't remember that. But if he quit in the corner, he will never live that down. Well, here's what, never. Here's what happened and what allowed this to happen. The coach didn't have to stop this fight. The ref did. The, well, the ref and the doctor did because they could hear what was going right, on. Right. Normally, I don't think you could hear all that. Normally, you hear fans. It, right, this, but you this, would have because they have. You hear that conversation. Do because, you, does the referee listen to both corners the whole time? I don't know. Oh, the referee. Yeah, I'm saying, but the the everybody else would have heard it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying out. that could have snuck back out and been in a third round if there had been a crowd. Yeah, and maybe and maybe the ref didn't hear that whole twenty times him saying, "Yeah, stop the fight." Yeah, so the overall thing, my biggest thing is, in the short term, he would have been more comfortable if they just stopped it. But in the long term, if the if if they quit in the corner, then um, if the if the corner said no, that's one thing. But since everybody and his fucking brother knew that he was the one saying stop it. He would never live that down the rest of his career. He'd be worried. That I would, think this was his first fight in the UFC. It was. Right. But he did step up and take a 10-day notice fight. But so I, a, he should get another chance in the UFC. He's an MMA fighter. That's should he not get with, another chance? In the, will they give him another chance? What's your experience? Do you think Dana will give him another fight? Yeah, just because of all this, probably will. But I think if you're, if you're a low-level fighter, like you've only had five fights, you're 5-0... and oh, that doesn't mean you're not good, but it's low, low level because you've only had five fights. You should always be ready to fight this weekend. Right. And if you're not, ten days notice, and you're still not in shape, you got you got re uh, you got to look at what you're doing in between fights. What about the adrenaline dump that probably happens in your first fight in the UFC? Yeah, yeah, I mean, but that then you come back five minutes later, then that's that's not a, that's not an issue anymore. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that was interesting. That was, was a different something you don't normally see no. in a fight. Definitely. So, what about uh, so on the main card? I don't know if there's anyone else on the undercard you want to talk yeah, about, but I the, the I main card we got uh, Jim Miller with 35 fights, yeah, tied for the most ever, and Lyme disease on top of it. I didn't see that. Fight. He got a submission win right away oh, over yeah. uh, Roosevelt Roberts. He yeah. put him in an armbar, hanging off of him, and you could hear his elbow crack three times. And then the fight, he verbally tapped. So that was over pretty quick. So Jim Miller with another win. He's got like tied, he's got like one of the highest winning records as it's, far as the number crazy. of wins in the UFC. He's got 35 crazy. times he's gone out and fought in Octagon. He's, he's crazy. Wait, no. 35 fights in the UFC. No. 35. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. It's 35 fights. He's you a, didn't see that one? No. It was quick. That's a quick fight. It was a submission win. He had him. He, I don't think he wanted to stand and strike. I think uh, Roberts is quite a bit taller uh, yeah. than Jim Miller. So experience, yeah. definitely. Hi, Mommy. My mom's watching. Big time. Say hi to Nancy. Hey, Mom. I haven't met your mom. Yeah, uh, you will. All right. That is not... Alfie, stop. <laughs> stop. Alfie's writing me. Alfie, stop it right now. Stop it right now. Alfie's crazy. But anyway, what other fights did you want to talk about? We got a few minutes. Raquel Pennington. Let me just tell you, um, 
I love Marion. You know, she's she's a single mom. Um, she's a teacher. I think she teaches like middle school. Um, and she fights, and she she's lo she's localish. She's out in Fresno, and she's just fucking. She's just good. She's just she's just a, a you know just a freaking blue collar, you know hardcore top of the line martial artist that'll just fight anyone anywhere anytime. Um, I love her, man, and and I I was I was pulling for her, and and she I I think she won the first round. Um, just with her skill, but the size looked a lot different. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not sure if she usually fights at that weight, but Raquel Pennington looked really good, but she looked a lot bigger too. It looked like the size just started taking over. Then by the third round, it's just one sided. Um, the second round was really close, but I thought Raquel won the second and then come third round, um, Raquel was just complete. Completely dominating. Never, never, I mean, uh, Marin's so tough and she's never, you know, she was never going to go down or get knocked out. But the size, it just, it looked like there were two different weight classes. And, and it just seems like Raquel just, just started. That's why weight classes are so important nowadays. You know, back in the early UFCs when people weren't nearly as skilled um, the weight classes didn't mean as much because a really, really good guy could beat a, you know, average, really big guy. But now everybody is so good, weight classes mean a lot, you know, and that that extra five, ten pounds means a lot. So Raquel lost the second, third round, and then she lost the decision. Uh, I mean, uh, Marion. So Raquel Pennington, man, she looks unbeatable, but she's like 11 and 9. So she's not unbeatable, but she looks pretty damn tough to me. And I, I, have, I have nothing but forty-three-year-old uh, Marion Renault, man. I, I, I just she's one of my favorites. Forty-three, amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing. All right, so the two, uh, the uh, co-main and the main, we had Josh Emmett and he's going to be on our podcast. This was uh, fight of the night for sure. Oh my god, for sure. Oh they said god. it's you know. Contender for fight of the oh my God. year. It was so good. So that was a good fight. So in the beginning, in the very first round, Josh comes out. I think he he took an awkward step. He was gonna go in with one of his overhand rights and then bailed or took a weird step and hurt his knee. Yeah, like he 20, actually thirty seconds into the first round, he actually round. like pulled his knee up and held his knee. That's not a good sign. But just watching that back, it happened so fast. But I've seen so many of those, and you know, you worry he tore his ACL or has some major injury because he kept having trouble putting weight on it, and it was it was giving out and buckling yeah. on him. And then as soon as the bell rang, he couldn't even put any pressure on it. So he, I imagine he's got a torn ACL. I hope he doesn't. But just looking at that footage from that fight, that's what it looks like. I haven't heard. And then he 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 had a he's so tough, and he hits so hard. He's like he's like a little little version of Mike Tyson, and um, his beautiful overhand right comeback left hook, it's uh it's fucking unbelievable, and he, and he's such a good wrestler, and he's so tough, and he's he's just he's just great. He's like I I see him fighting for a title soon. Um, now talk about tough. His style, Shane Burgos' style. Oh God. he's an entertaining fighter. The way he fights, he just comes forward. His hands are down. He is not afraid, and he took those shots and kept coming forward. He took those shots of uh, Josh Emmett. How? And, and then Josh would 
floor him, and he would smile, landing on the ground, like good, good shot or whatever. He would like he, give him a compliment. He is so tough. He's like, you watch that fight again in slow motion. Some of those flurries. Josh Emmett is landing right on his chin, and this Shane Burgos guy is just like he's tough as shit, and he's so good. So that made it such a good fight because it made it Josh. It showed even the tough, more toughness from Josh, and beautiful punching and great takedowns. Uh, a great wrestling. And then we got this Shane Burgos guy who's like, that was a great fight. That was So, you know, some guys, you could say Shane Burgos has a good chin. Josh Emmett has a leg, man. He got kicked in that leg. He injured his leg. And he kept fighting. Uh, he was throwing head kicks with some it. Some of those, some fights you see and they get hit with that many leg kicks and they can't stand or or fight anymore. He just kept fighting. I, I don't know. That was a great fight. That was. I'm true. sure... They're both feeling it today. Oh my god, <laughs> for, for sure. That was great. Yeah, that was I think Burgos was on like a, a kind of a winning streak. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great guy, great fighter. Um, but but man, freaking, we're gonna have Josh on. I think next week we're gonna have Josh uh, Emmett on. That would be awesome. He yeah. is like a little version of uh, of uh, Mini Mike. Huh? He's like a Mini Mike Tyson, man. <laughs> Yeah, he was he's great. That was great. Okay, then let's talk about Curtis Blades against um so my lesson to you guys from my Sensei UFC is the first fight. Always be training. Always be fucking training. There's never a reason to to get that out of shape if you're a MMA fighter, okay? Who might, you know, might be in line for the UFC. But even more importantly, it's never an excuse. Nobody, nobody should ever get that in, in out of shape, because what if you get jumped in the street? Yeah, now more than ever, John. What now more than ever is right. What if you get jumped in the street and you think you you got the left hook, you got the takedown or whatever, and somebody knows how to stuff a takedown or defend a left hook, within twenty seconds of a street fight with adrenaline flowing, you are going to be exhausted. You're going to be like a Ferrari. Out of gas on the side of the road, getting the shit kicked out of you. You have to be training all the time, whether you're a UFC fighter or you want to defend your life or your family's life. Can you imagine this day and age? If you're not in shape, if you don't keep yourself in shape, I don't know what you're thinking. You're not watching the news or you're not listening to the radio or whatever because now is the is the you people are you can wear a fucking hat. With with a with with a political connotation or a political sign that someone doesn't like, you're fighting for your life now. That's what we're fighting for now. You could say a, a president's name or some kind of political affiliation that the guy next to you doesn't like. You're gonna get. You're gonna have to learn how to defend your life. People are defending their lives now over what side of the political thing they're on. Or if they're just business owners and a riot breaks out and somebody decides he wants to break into your store. You have to be training. Number so that two. Was, that was the first fight. And then this one, that was the first fight of the night. The last fight of the night, this fight will tell you no matter how good you can punch or kick or strike, you need to learn takedown defense. Because once someone gets you on your back, 
you are fucking harmless, which means you are worthless, which means you will get the shit kicked out of you. How many takedown attempts for a heavyweight fight was that in five rounds? It was like it was 20, 25 for 26. And, and he, how many did he get? Like, like 14 or 15. He got like 15. He so got that means record. Volkov got up from the 15 takedowns. That's crazy. Yeah. So he got back to his feet. 15 times. He's a tall dude, too. Isn't he like 6'7"? Something like that, He's yeah. big. These guys are... To see heavyweights go at it like this for this long was, uh, you know, the stamina to do that much wrestling. He looked like he had done that much wrestling when the fight was over. But, man, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine that. that was, yeah, and then Curtis showed that even though he's a wrestler, uh, he, has some, he has some good setups with his... With his punching and and the difference between the first fight with Max, when he got tired and exhausted, he was telegraphing his takedowns. He was doing desperation takedowns without a setup, and they were getting stuffed. Curtis must have been exhausted because you saw his post fight interview. Couldn't even keep his eyes open. Um, he was setting up his takedowns with solid right hands. So what what was it that uh, the promoter here, Dana White, didn't like about? Curtis Blake. I don't even know. He I, said I, he wasn't impressed, or I don't know what he said. I think, he said something derogatory, and well, I, I didn't get it. Well, one thing is, to me, um, uh, wrestling is a great part of MMA, and it's a very important part of MMA, you know. And but to me, slugging is, is punching is is if you want if you're mad at someone, you want to you know talk shit about them, then you want to you want to fight with them, then you want to you want to bang it out. By taking it down, and he didn't like ground and pound that much. I mean, he did he did what he had to do to stay active on the ground. But most of his his wins were ground, you know, it takedowns and then uh, top control. So that's what he was winning by. I think what Dana was saying was, and I didn't hear him talk any shit, but I guess Dana was saying he was saying he was going to kick his ass that bad. But he won he won by wrestling, and he didn't exactly lay and pray. But he mainly won by top position. He didn't beat the sh- stand there and go, let's go, bro, well, let's normally go. normally the heavyweights, that's what they do. The heavyweights bang, and then it's over. Fast, usually fast. And I think that's what he was saying he was going to do, and he didn't do it. I think I think that's what Dana was talking about. Well, yeah, but you may want to psych out your opponent with what you're going to do, too. You don't want to tell them what you're going to do. I don't know. I, I seriously don't think Alexander thought, thought uh, Curtis Blaze was going to do anything but what he did, because Curtis Blades, that's what he does, and that's his that's his forte. So I think I think everybody knew, including Alex. That's why I mean, that must I mean he must have spent his camp working on takedown defense. So it's 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 kind of mind boggling how good Curtis must must be. He just ran right through him like he wasn't even like he had no takedown defense at all. Look who we get to see fight next week. Is this next week? What? No, June twenty seventh. It is no, next this week. Is next week, Dustin Poirier oh, fights yeah. Dan Hooker. Mike Perry fights Mickey Gall. That's good. We we'll watch yeah. those fights. Uh, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, that'll be two. Just those two. Two. Just those two fights yeah. worth watching. So, um, and then uh, we'll talk to to Josh Emmett. That'll be great. I hope so. All right, man. Well, happy Father's Day to you, John. Till next time. Thanks. Thank. Hey, happy Happy Father's Day. A day late to all you fathers out there. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for everything. God bless all of you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week.